Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Miller Park. This is episode number 87 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you, and it is good to be with you. Brewers still in first place as we talk, and it's been a busy week here at Miller Park. Homestand continuing on, and of course, a visit on Wednesday from 2017 first round pick, number nine pick overall, Keston Hira, the UC Irvine product. The second baseman, big news on him. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we continue on with the podcast today. But first, the Brewers 4-3 and three this past week. Two wins over St. Louis, including Eric Thames' go-ahead home run on Thursday night at Bush Stadium. And the pitch. Swing and a drive, right field, moving back. Piscotti at the wall. It's over the fence and gone! Right off the top of the wall, and it crept over. Two-run home run, Eric Thames. It's 6-4 Brewers. Home run number 18 for Thames, and it had so much topspin on it, it hit the top of the fence and got out. On Friday night, Thames was up with a chance to once again be the hero in the bottom of the 10th. 1-1 to Thames. Swing and a high fly, deep left center. Back at the track, at the wall, it is off the top of the fence, and it's gone! Eric Thames, for a second time in his many days, hits one off the top of the wall, and it leaves. Thames, home run number 19. And the crew takes game one, 6-5. And after an extra innings loss on Saturday, the crew bounced back on Father's Day, and it was on the back of Jimmy Nelson. Two-strike offering. Here he comes. Hey, struck him out swinging. And this one is over. And Jimmy Nelson pitches a complete game and picks up another strikeout here. What an effort by Jimmy Nelson today. The crew gets their first complete game on the year, and Jimmy Nelson, his first complete game ever. Wow. A complete game for Jimmy Nelson, and the Brewers dropping a couple of games to the Pirates on Monday and Tuesday as the homestand continues. But still sitting in first place in the division, 38 and 35 overall, and a game up as we talk right now on the Chicago Cubs. A couple of moves made by the crew, and of course last week Neftali Feliz was designated for assignment and then later outright released. And the crew has placed Willie Peralta on the 10-day disabled list, and in a corresponding move, they have brought up from AAA Colorado Springs left-handed pitcher. Brent Suter. Okay, let's jump into our clubhouse conversation with Keon Broxton. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player and 
2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was... Um, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the clubhouse conversation. Keon Broxton has been on another hot streak, and when he was just starting to get into this hot streak, I had a chance to catch up with him last week in St. Louis and talk about what he's doing differently and how he's feeling at the plate right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely feel better. Um, I was struggling for, for a lot of games, and um, the only thing you can do when you're struggling is, is stay confident and, and stay, stay faithful and, and, and figure out what's going on. And uh, just tried to really keep things simple in, in Arizona, and I found on, on the home run swing that uh, just get set earlier and see the ball. So I just carried that over into the next day and just worked on on seeing the ball no matter what. Just didn't think about com uh, mechanics or anything. Just worked on focusing on the ball, and that, that's helped out. You're, you're a guy that over the years has always been um, very into your swing and, and making the tweaks as you need to and, and, and just staying locked in on the process. What are what are the things that you go back to whenever you're in those moments? I know you talked a little bit about some of the adjustments that you made, but but is it key to not overthink it at the same time? Oh yeah, um, you, you can't think and hit a baseball at the same time. You're just gonna gonna create bad habits, and uh, that's kind of what I was doing, just overthinking things, thinking more about my swing than actually just seeing a ball. So the thing I just got back to was just seeing a ball and. Uh, and uh, working right field again, I think that's that's helped out a lot too. It just helps me stay on balls, and uh, it, it it makes my swing better whenever I think about hitting the ball right field. You're still a very young player, and and your major league experience is still growing. Have you seen guys pitch you differently over the last calendar year? Yeah, yeah, um, they pitched me differently from last year to this year. Uh, last year I was getting a lot of fastballs, and uh, fastballs that were low, and I, I can usually handle the ball that's low. Uh, this year, they, they've they've adjusted to, to my swing and uh, I've getting a lot more fastball up in the zone, and uh, I have a tough time with that. But that all results back to, to getting set early and seeing the ball. So um, now that I, I can recognize those fastballs up more, it, it helps me out. It helps me lay off of them, and it helps me attack the ones that I can attack. As, as we said, young players. So when you go through the struggles like you did for the last couple of weeks before you broke out of this. Do you look back on that and say, okay, well, that was tough, but I've learned this from it to where now the next time maybe I'm not feeling as good, I can shorten that length of time. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about is, is how fast you can adjust back to being you. So um, that's something I'm, I'm developing up here in the big leagues, and um, that's something that's, I really have to get better with moving forward. As soon as I feel myself getting out of, out of who I am, I need to, to quickly, like, at a snap of a finger, learn how to get back to being me. And uh, it took me a while to, to realize what I needed to do to get back to being me. So I think if it happens again, I think I'll just get back to, to just seeing the baseball. Last night in game two, you homer, your first bat, your next at bat. Did you think that was going off the bat? You got it good. No, I, 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 I honestly didn't think it was going to go that far. I thought he was going to be camped and uh, I wasn't going to be able to get the run in. But uh, I looked back up and the guy turned his back and I was like, okay, got a chance here and it bounced off the wall. So I was off to the races after that. Defensively, how do you feel that you are making progress as you move forward? It seems like you're getting more and more comfortable just going and getting it. 
yeah, I think I'm becoming more uh, more comfortable out there, seeing balls off the bat, um, getting smoother, and um, and I'm uh, I'm thinking about what's happening before before the pitch is even thrown, and that's that's helping me stay calm out there and uh, make good decisions, and uh, it, that's that's a very important position out there. So I, I take pride in that and try to help out my pitchers as much as possible. You guys have had a couple new guys up. Brett Phillips was up. Now Brinson's up. How does the communication work when, when new guys come up out there in the outfield? Is it a little bit of a learning process the first couple of times out together? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we have to figure out each other's range and um, just the surroundings in, in general. You can't really communicate as much as you could in the minor leagues. The crowd's so loud. So we have to, to visually look at each other while the ball's in the air to see who's really going to get it. So um, that's just an adjustment that I've really had to make since last year to this year. So um, any guy that comes up in the outfield is really going to have to make an adjustment to that. Keon, we appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. Jimmy Nelson threw a complete game on Sunday against the Padres in incredibly impressive fashion as the Brewers won the game 2-1. to one. Nelson's improvements from 2016 have been well documented and much of the focus is centered around his improved command which among other things has resulted in a drastic decrease in walks allowed. Nelson led baseball last year in walks allowed. He had 86 over 179 plus innings. However in 2017 he's cut that rate down from 10.7% last year to 5.9% this year. He's striking out opponents 7% more often too. A good amount of the other measurables for Nelson are similar to last year's. And so you can see where the strikeout rate going up and the walk rate going down has had a big impact. The overall results have benefited greatly from what we've all known about baseball for a long time. Don't give out free passes, throw strikes, and good things generally happen. Nelson's stuff has always been good, if not great. Now that he's working ahead, generating more swings and misses, the results have caught up to the stuff. Let's break it down. This is Brewers on Tap, and we're joined by Brewers uh, Director of Scouting, Todd Johnson. And, uh, of course, the draft wrapped up last week. And this is an exciting time. You get to infuse the, the pipeline with even more talent, and, and clearly the, the farm system here with the Brewers already uh, in a very healthy shape. What were your thoughts, you know, kind of big picture going into the draft on what you felt this crop was like and how deep it was going in? Yeah, we felt like there was a, a significant amount of depth throughout the draft. We were really excited about the players we were going to be able to add, certainly at the top with the first three picks we had on, on Monday night and then, you know, all the way through, honestly. We, uh, we thought there was a lot of, of good upside guys that we could take a chance on um, and then, you know, mix in. Um, a number of other guys that'll 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 help us that are maybe a little more advanced at, at this point. So we kind of, you know, all the way through the draft, we kind of mixed between those. You know, it was never a where we locked in college, high school, or or you know the kind of projection guy versus the the uh, the more now guy. We kind of you know mixed it up all the way through the draft, and that was kind of what we were looking to do. Really, was to balance that out. The, the draft is so different than any other sport because you're not necessarily drafting on needs for 2018. Or 2017, and and yet at the same time, there's some situations where you might have guys close on the board, but signability comes into, uh, you know, uh, is it becomes an issue, or can we fit this into our bonus pool the right way? It's a puzzle. It really is, right? And and, and I'm sure that's that that takes a lot of 
legwork on the front end to know what you're getting yourself into before you select somebody, right? Yeah, our scouting staff, our area scouts, and our supervisors do a great job of getting to know the families and the kids uh, and understanding which, which ones want to sign, which ones are you know, more interested in going to school potentially for the, uh, for the high school kids, um, understanding you know, what that threshold is for most of them uh, and you know, what it will take to get them signed. So, uh, you know, they do a good job of, of getting that information and, you know, feeding it into us in the draft room. So we have that information on, on hand at the time we have to make those decisions as we have to balance it out and try and, you know, maximize the talent we can get for the, for the pool dollars we have allocated. Being at number nine, there's, there's a million different scenarios of what can happen by the time you're up and ready to pick. That, that probably makes it even a, a more difficult job in many ways. What was it about Keston Hira that you guys felt the strongest about when, when he was available and you were up to pick? Uh, we had done a really good job. Wynn Pelzer is our area scout out there, and Josh Belovsky, who's the supervisor for that area, knew him really well. Um, you know, we, we'd known him back to high school. Um, you know, he was committed to UCI and, and was pretty much going there, so, you know, wasn't somebody uh, that, that we were real focused on in the draft in high school, but more because of his college commitment than, than anything else. But you know, we had done a good job of staying with him, um, and you know, we really thought he could hit. Um, I mean, obviously, he's you know hasn't played the field this year, um, and we'll work through that, um, and we think we'll we'll have that fairly well resolved, hopefully, pretty quickly. Um, but you know, it was the bat. I mean, the guy was the most consistent, best hitter in college baseball. He led the led the country in hitting. Um, you know, led the country in on base percentage, and you know, and he has power too. It's a little. It gets a little suppressed out there. UCI is a tough place to hit, especially at night. Um, the fog rolls in and the cool air rolls in out there. Um, and so, you know, he didn't have huge home run numbers necessarily. I think he hit an eight or nine. Um, but it's a lot of line drive, a lot of doubles. And, and he's just, he's got just that innate feel to hit. And people forget those bats aren't the same as they were 10 years ago. And so eight or nine in a college season, still pretty good numbers from a power standpoint. Uh, in, in, in the comp pick, then, you go Tristan Lutz, uh, a kid out of the Dallas area. Big-time power, it looks yeah. like. This is uh, an exciting guy to get in that spot. Absolutely. He's uh, he's really strong, really physical, um, great bat speed. Um, he plays center field now. He's an he's a above-average runner presently. Um, you know, just his physicality, size, you know, we don't project him to be an above-average runner down the road, but he is certainly super athletic. He played football for for two years there and was pretty good. I mean, it was a pretty good football school as well um, there. And so, yeah, it was really exciting. We were excited that he was there for us to take him. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to uh, to getting him out there. And then the third pick is Caden Lemons, who I mean, touches high 90s now, maybe, maybe more. It looks like he's a, a very raw kid that with a lot of time in the system can really develop into something. Yeah, it's a, it's a great body. He's long and lean, loose athletic guy, arm works really well. Um, yeah, as you said, he'll touch the mid to upper 90s now. Um, you know, he's got, well, like all high school pitchers, he's got to get more consistent with his execution um, of his and his breaking stuff and, and just polish all the pieces. But we're super excited that at the, you know, that pick, that spot, we were able to add a really projectable high school pitcher that, that we think is going to be, you know, has a chance to be pretty good. And then you went on a run of, of high school arms from about rounds 11 through uh, the middle rounds there. Um, and so I, when, you, when you go on a run like that, 
Do you know maybe a couple of those guys are going to be tough to sign, but we're going to just kind of spread the net wide and, and, and try to get as much high-end talent that was maybe projected talent-wise to be higher than that, but the signability was an issue? And just hope you get a good chunk of those guys on? Yeah, I mean, again, that's that's our area scouts, knowing the, yeah. knowing the players, knowing the ones that you know they like that were they were interested in who you know we'll we'll take our chances on on getting some of them signed um you know i probably won't get all of them signed but um you know we certainly wanted the the opportunity to uh to talk to those guys and and see what would happen and see um you know if potentially some of them are uh wanting to get their pro pro career started started sooner than than you know maybe or started now as opposed to waiting and um you know going to school and starting in three years so you know we like that opportunity to do that. Um, you know, we had the flexibility to do that with the uh, with the uh, the minor league system we have today. Um, not that that necessarily influenced it, but we just like that strategy to try and grab a bunch of high upside, you know, talented kids in those rounds, and you know, see what happens as far as the signing of them goes. A couple of uh, added bonus for for fans was that a couple of guys that you took were in the College World Series mm -hmm. this past week, and. Uh, one of them being K.J. Harrison, who's a catcher for a really good Oregon State team. Yep. And he's hit a home run already in the CWS. So I, I'm sure that's been fun for the fans to yep. see that. W what, what is it going to take for him to become a professional catcher? The bat's going to play, it looks like. Uh, but it's always one of those things. Sometimes you just got to figure it out as you go with a, with a young guy behind the plate. What, what do you think uh, his chances are to stick behind the plate and to really develop into a nice professional catcher? Yeah, we think that. Ultimately, the most important thing with, with a guy w catching is that they have to want to try and catch, yeah. and he certainly does that. We've known him since high school. He's a Hawaii uh, kid from Hawaii um, out of high school. Um, he actually knows our, our you know, Hawaiian kids that we have in the, in the minors, Cody Medeiros and uh, Quentin Torres Costa and, and Jordan Yamamoto pretty well, so that's kind of fun. They actually all texted him, texted him, I heard, after we took him, so um, pretty excited there. You know, So he caught all through high school. He got to Oregon State. Did, and they had Logan Ice, who got drafted pretty high last year as their catcher. And then this year, um, they had a freshman that, that they liked as a catcher. And they, and they also, you know, wanted to keep KJ's bat in the lineup, keep him fresh. Um, he had a couple nagging injuries as well this year. So, um, but he can throw well enough to, to be a catcher. I mean, we've got him as, with an above average arm. Um, you know, he's got a good build for the position. You know, he's a strong, strong build, good lower half. Um, we think he moves, he's flexible, and like I said, I think the number one most important thing is he certainly wants to do it. And, you know, we feel like, you know, we can give him the pro instruction that can hopefully, you know, take take that want to and the good tools that he has together and make him into a, a catcher. Talked about the Hawaii pipeline, the Harrison kid at Louisville. You have a nice little Louisville pipeline going now, too. Yeah, Devin, we certainly, you know, had seen him a lot over the last few years with uh, with Corey Ray, Jeff Simpson, who was our area scout there, um, knew Devin well, um, and... Uh, so we've done, you know, done a lot of work with him, and and he is, you know, above average defender at shortstop, you know, with the chance to hit. He's not a big guy, so you know, it's not going to be a power bat or impact yeah. from that perspective. But he, you know, he'll get his hits, and and he can run some, and he'll play the, you know, he'll play the short game, and and do all that, and, and he can really pick it at short. So you know, we're pretty excited about that, and he can play on the other side of the bag as well at second, you know, if needed. So he gives us some flexibility as well. Todd, we appreciate it. It would be a two-hour interview if we went through every single guy that was selected, but it uh, looks like a very successful draft. Got high marks from a lot of people around the country and uh, a lot of fun to see all these guys making their way into the Brewers organization. Yeah, it's super exciting. I'm, you know, our staff was great. You know, we've been 
you know, getting after it as far as getting these guys signed and all that. So it's it's been good, and you know, should start seeing them show up here in the the Helena and Arizona box scores over the next couple of uh, couple of weeks for sure. So it's pretty exciting. Thanks, Todd. Yep. Thank you. Checking in on the farm. As we check in on the farm, a couple of all-star breaks going on. In fact, three all-star breaks going on. Class A Wisconsin, Class A Advanced Carolina, and Double A Biloxi all into their all-star breaks. The Double A All-Star game featured a bunch of shockers. Mauricio Dubon, Dustin DeMuth, Angel Ventura, Aaron Wilkerson, Nick Ramirez, and Matt Ramsey were all named to the team. Ventura, of course, up in Triple A now with Colorado Springs. And it didn't matter because the Southern League All-Star game was canceled due to rain on Tuesday night. The Class A Advanced All-Star Game saw the North All-Stars defeat the South All-Stars, and that's where the Brewers were at. Uh, two to nothing uh, in Salem, Virginia on Tuesday night. The Brewers did get three scoreless innings from the trio of Freddie Peralta, Nate Greep, and Cody Ponce in that one. Corey Ray made a great catch, and of course Jake Gatewood won the home run derby on Monday night in Class A. The Wisconsin Timber Antlers were represented by Mario Feliciano, Monte Harrison, and Braden Webb. Feliciano got in the game, did not record a hit, but Harrison went two for four with a couple of home runs and three driven in, and he was named the MVP of the game. He also hit a home run, took off his jersey, changed jerseys during his trot, and then took a selfie at the plate. So they had a lot of fun with it in the Midwest <laughs> League All-Star game. And uh, Braden Webb also got the win in that one. He recorded a strikeout and the only batter that he faced, but he was able to get the win. So here's a rundown on those three squads. Wisconsin's 26-42. They're in eighth place right now in the Western Division of the Midwest League. Carolina is 36-32, tied for second in the Southern Division. And, of course, the Shuckers, 36-33. They finished second in the Southern Division, in the, in the South Division of the Southern League in the first half. Triple-A Colorado Springs is 41-28. and 28. They're still a little ways out from their all-star break. They're in first place in the American Northern Division. Taylor Youngman went five innings, gave up three hits and no runs, and struck out four in his last outing. Wei Chung Wong has been good out of the bullpen for the Sky Sox. And, of course, Ryan Cordell, two for four with the triple, and an RBI uh, in his last outing on Tuesday night. And, of course, Garrett Cooper continues to just go crazy. He's hitting 424 over his last 30 days. And the Helena Brewers have begun their play. They are 0-2 so far. They lost to Great Falls on Tuesday night. Nick Rossetti hit a home run for the team's lone run. Nestor Corridor, of course, managing the Helena Brewers. So uh, another Brewers farm team now in action in the Pioneer League with the Helena Brewers. And, of course, some news that came out early on Wednesday, and that is a potential shakeup in the minor league ranks coming your way in 2019. Colorado Springs is going to move the AAA franchise to San Antonio. The Helena Brewers will move to Colorado Springs, and so the Colorado Springs will still be Colorado Springs will still be the Sky Sox, but they'll be a rookie-level Pioneer League team taking the place of the Helena Brewers. And so it could cause a little bit of a ripple effect. We'll see how it affects the Brewers as that gets closer to becoming a reality. But the Sky Sox made that announcement on Wednesday morning. All right, let's jump in 
to our conversation with this year's first-round pick, Keston Hira. Brewers' first-round draft pick, Keston Hira, is our guest here on Brewers on Tap. And first off, congratulations, being a, a top-10 overall pick. That has to be a real thrill for you. Of course, coming on the heels of winning the NCAA batting title, it's been quite a spring. Yeah, it's it's been a quite a few weeks, um, to say the least, you know, with the, all the draft and, um, you know, coming out to Milwaukee and meeting everyone. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited, um, you know, for the Brewers to give me the opportunity to to play um, baseball as for a living. So, um, you know, I'm really excited for the years to come and uh, my future. I know you cannot wait until there are no more questions about you playing in the field. Yeah. And everybody said, well, we know you can hit. You didn't play in the field this year. You were only a DH. And you're going to get a chance to kind of put that behind you quickly, it sounds like. Everything checked out well. You're going to resume throwing. That had to be a really good piece of news for you to hear. How, how relieved were you to hear that? And are, how excited are you to get kind of going as a full-time player again? Yeah, I mean, throughout the whole uh, college season, uh, my arm didn't bother me at all. I didn't feel any pain. Um, I mean, granted, I was only swinging. Um, but... You know, I wasn't too worried about it at that time. Uh, but, you know, most recently when I, when I was able to see the doctors and get some MRIs and all that, um, you know, and, you know, they gave me the okay to, to start throwing and they said everything looked good. Um, you know, it definitely, um, definitely made me kind of happy, you know, to, to know that, you know, I'm able to start throwing again and, uh, you know, work, work my way back into the field. Um, you know, I, I miss playing the field. You know, as fun as being a DH and um, only hitting sounds, you know, I definitely want to be back on the field and, uh, you know, win ball games out there as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get back and just probably start throwing within um, the next week or so and uh, go from there. Last year, Corey Ray was the first-round pick for the Brewers, and, of course, he had played in Super Regionals. So his season had kept going right up until he was drafted and then signed shortly after. So he was able to go out right away. You're going to go to rookie ball in Arizona because you haven't played mm -hmm. since the end of May and get yourself acclimated. And then the plan is to, 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 to eventually be with the Timber Rattlers here in Class A. Is it dangerous to put too much pressure on how much time you spend in Arizona, or do you have a kind of a timeline in your mind of how long you'll be there before you join the Timber Rattlers in, in the Midwest League? Um, you know, yes and no. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to to go to Arizona, and um, like you said, you know, I, I haven't I haven't played. My last game that I played was May 29th, I believe, um, and then since then I've just been um, hitting batting practice and hitting in the cages and. You know, maybe saw a few live arms here and there, but nothing too much. So I definitely want to get back acclimated into into the game atmosphere and see some live pitching before you know I get put up against um, you know some higher caliber pitching up in the low A, uh, ball up in Wisconsin. So um, you know, depending on how long my arm progresses through there and uh, things, how, how how comfortable I feel. Uh, playing, you know, that'll probably dictate how long I'll be in Arizona, and you know, when I head to Washington or Wisconsin and start playing for the the Timber Rattlers. Keston here is our guest here on Brewers on Tap. You, a lot of people said you were the best bat in the draft. You, you, as we said, you you won the NCAA batting title. What's the strength of your approach at the plate if you had to break yourself down? Yeah, um, you know the numbers. You know they they say something, but I think a big part. Uh, of my hitting game is my my mental approach. You know, I, I've been taught at a young age to, to to deal with the mental side of baseball and the mental side of hitting. And uh, I think over the years, um, you know, I've been able to understand the game a lot more, understand you know type of hitter I am as a person, and uh, you know my strengths and weaknesses, and um, you know be able to exploit them at you know the right times. So I think 
um, you know, the mental approach of the game is something that I really pride myself in, um, you know, throughout my hitting and uh, offensive career. You played for one of the great college coaches of all time, Mike Gillespie. Uh, that's a guy that you can learn a lot about life from yeah. beyond just baseball, right? Yeah, he, he he was a big reason why I even chose to go to Irvine. Um, he's the baseball guru. He's seen everything uh, that's, that's happened in baseball. And um, you being able to talk to him about baseball, but also, you know, like you said, about life. Um, he knows it all. So he's definitely someone that um, I want to thank, you know, for the past three years. It, you know, helped me become a better, not only a better player, but a better person as well. There's this unknown of who who's going to draft me, where am I going to end up. You had a good relationship with Wynn Pelzer. Uh, through the process, the Brewers area scout. In the back of your mind, were the Brewers one of those teams that you were saying, man, I'd love to get an opportunity in that organization because I like what they're doing. I like I like what they're building there. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, going to the draft for me, it was kind of uncertain where I would land. Um, you know, I've heard anything from 5 to, to 25. So, um, you know, the wide, wide amount of teams that – you know, I wasn't sure that who you know who would take me or not, but I knew Brewers were, were a great organization. You know, from the get go, and um, you know, once you know I heard, got the call and heard my name on TV, I, you know, I was beyond thrilled to to get that opportunity to play and um, you know play for this up and coming organization. Keston, we appreciate it. Great to meet you, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Keston here with us here on Brewers on Tap. Here's what's on tap. Here's what's coming up uh, in the next homestand for the crew. The Miami Marlins coming to town Friday, June 30th, Saturday the 1st, and Sunday the 2nd of July. A lot of stuff going on. Friday the 30th, the five-county Friday. All residents of the five-county area save 50% on tickets. Saturday, the first Cerveceros Day. Brewers will have special gold Cerveceros jerseys celebrating Hispanic heritage in baseball. It's also Brewers Wall Flag. First 10,000 fans receive a Brewers wall flag featuring the ball and glove logo inside the state of Wisconsin, courtesy of Miller Lite. You do have to be 21 and over to receive that gift. And Sunday, July 2nd at 110, it's Zach Davies' bobblehead day. All fans receive the bobblehead of the Brewers. Pitcher wearing the team's special stars and stripes uniforms, courtesy of Clement Sausage. The bobblehead is so detailed that it even includes his forearm tattoo. That's how good it is. And then it's also a Kids Eat Free Sunday. All kids 1400 get a free lunch featuring a hot dog, bottled water, applesauce, and an ice cream treat. That is going to do it for episode number 87. Thank you for listening to it. We'll talk to you next week from Cincinnati, Ohio. Until then, I'm Lane Grindle. Have a good week, everyone.